Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 113. I'm your host, Derek Moore. And this week, we're going to be talking about how to understand your risk when you hold things like U.S. Treasury bonds, bonds in general, uh, really specifically from the interest rate risk. So we know that rates have been coming down since the early 1980s for now, you know, 40 years or so. And I think some of the returns that you've seen in fixed income, not really sure if those can continue. We don't know, but there's some, some things you should really think about as to why that's, I don't know if it's really possible. I mean, rates would have to get so negative. And so this episode, we'll talk about the difference between duration and maturity, the two very different things. A 30-year bond is not necessarily a 30-year bond when you live to, you know, interest rate sensitivity. Uh, but we'll look at, you know, the idea of coupon payments, uh, call provisions, cash flows, and, and uh, some unique things to treasuries. And then I'm also going to just, I pulled some data very quickly, and I looked at different decades, and I made some assumptions on, you know, if you bought a, a 10-year treasury and you, you included the, the coupon payments and any gain or loss in the, in the value, um, assuming you bought at par, what each decade would look like. And it, it's kind of, well, it's no surprise, but it might be surprised to, to some people. Um, so with that, let, let's kind of go through a couple things here. When we think about bonds, and by the way, uh, last week we did a, a great episode, I thought, with our guest, uh, Marcel Benjamin. He is uh, an expert in fixed income, and he really gave sort of a master class around the high-yield fixed income, high-yield bond space, everything from you know the ratings and what makes what makes high yield, high yield, how the, the rating agencies look at things, uh, how you know different tranches of high yield perform uh, differently and, and what means the spreads to wide and a whole lot of good information. So I'll link to that, uh, of course, in the show notes, but that was episode, uh, that was number 112, I believe. This is 113, right? Yep, so 112. So definitely check that out if you missed it because uh, it truly was a, a great just thorough, uh, you know, class, I thought, in, uh, in the bond space. So we know that in, what was it, February? Yeah, it was, I guess, started in February, really March, we saw all of a sudden yield spike. And we saw yield spike, not to 20%, not to 10%. But in the 10-year, you know, yields got up to, I think it was 1.7 something at one point. Uh, the five-year yield got up to 0.9, I believe, on one of the days. Those have since backed off. But this actually caused a lot of people to uh, to take a look and think about, you know, the, that whole 60-40 portfolio where you've got 60% in stocks, you get 40% in bonds. And it's been a while since, you know, we've seen rates rise like that now, albeit from a, a very low base. But this gets into duration, and your interest rate sensitivity is is much higher when rates are lower. So that's something we need to, to sort of explore. I think I saw some data, and uh, I read an article on this on the uh, ZegaFinancial.com site. I will link to that in the show notes as well, where I believe this quarter was the worst quarter for bonds, meaning the total return for bonds. Since I think, uh, might have been the 90s or the, no, it might have been the 80s. 
And then before then, you have to go back to like the 1800s, whoever they computed that data. And the reason is, is that when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. And many people have just been used to since 1981. I mean, I'll, I'll just give you some quick numbers here. Back in, in 1981, you could have bought a 10-year to maturity U.S. Treasury bond with a yield, a yield of 15.84%. What does that mean? That means you buy that bond, let's say when it comes out, and assume you get it at a par. I don't know if you would have got it at a par, but a par means 1,000. At the end of 10 years, so you give them 1,000 bucks, in 10 years, you get your 1,000 back as long as the U.S. government didn't default. And each year, you know, you're getting 15.84% or that's, you know, $158.40 a year on that bond for 10 years. Not bad. I mean, think about the average annual return for stocks is not 15.84%. That's an equity-like return on a U.S. government treasury. Now, the trick here, by the way, is that, you know, back in, let's say, oh, I don't know, 1979, yields are right around 10%. And so if people bought at 10% and then yields go to 15%, they may lose on the, the principal value, the market value of the bond as that moves around. We all know, though, that since you know, 1981, uh, we've had this 40-year March lower in yields. And so a lot of the return from these bonds, or the bond complex in general, has come from rates going down, prices going up. And so we'll talk about that. So, so first thing, though, we need to understand a little bit about what's called duration. And duration is a fancy way of saying, although my bond has an issue date and it has a maturity date, that doesn't have that much to do with the actual sensitivity to a change in rates. And I'll give you an example. So let's say you bought a, a 30-year bond at $1,000 and the coupon is 3%. So for the next 30 years, assuming no default, you get 3% or 30 bucks a year, okay? Is that good or bad? You tell me. But the modified duration, we also can do what's called the Macaulay duration. Uh, Macaulay is a person, modified is not a person, just the name. If you create one of these, you can put your name in it. But the duration is just under 20. And so what that means is if rates tomorrow you know, with 30 years left to maturity, go from 3 to 4%, you would expect that bond to lose about, you know, roughly 20%. But that same bond, let's say you issued that bond, 30-year bond comes out at $1,000 par value, put your $1,000 down, but this time the coupon rate is 10%. That means for the next 30 years, you get $100 a year, and that's that duration, it's modified duration or you know Macaulay duration, whichever one you want to use, they're very similar. Um, that one, the duration was you know nine and a half to nine point nine. Meaning, let's use the modified duration. If you see a, a rise from ten to eleven percent tomorrow, so pretty close to thirty years left to maturity on there, you would expect the market value to go down about you know, nine and a half to nine point nine percent. I'm like, wait a second. I thought the maturity was the same. Well, two treasuries we're looking at. And yes, the maturity is the same, but the sensitivity to interest rates is different. Now, there's a lot of math behind this, and I would do an injustice trying to talk through all the math on, a, on an audio podcast. 
But one of the ways to look at this is, you know, think about what you're getting. In the case of 30 years at 10%, if you pay $1,000 for this thing, and assuming no defaults and U.S. Treasuries, we, we hope there will be no defaults there, you're getting 100 bucks a year. So after 10 years, if you put down 1000 bucks, you essentially got $1,000 in coupon or interest payments over 10 years. So even if the bond defaults after that, you sort of got your money back after 10 years. So, but the other one though, I mean, think about this. If you're getting 3% or $30 a year on a $1,000 bond, well, $30 a year at 30 years, at the end of 30 years, you only would have gotten back 900. Remember, 1,000 bucks after 10 years on the 10% one, 900 after 30 years in interest payments on that version. And so you can kind of see, I mean, you, you wouldn't get to your, um, you know, I don't want to call it a break even, but you wouldn't sort of get your initial principal back, at least in, in uh, uh, coupon payments ever in that case. And of course, you know, a bond, right? You put your money down, you hope no defaults. At maturity, you get your principal, uh, you get par value or a thousand bucks back. Um, but you kind of, it's, it's the total return is, is the combination between what you bought a bond for, what it matures at, or what you sell it for either way. You don't have to hold to maturity. And, you know, the, the, also the, the coupon payments as well. So it's a combination of both. So the, the point here is that when interest rates are really low, and if they change negatively against you, meaning they go up, then there is a greater sensitivity the longer the duration and the lower the interest rate. I just showed you two 30 years. If I change this, uh, so let's let's use our, oh, I don't know. Let me, let me change this. Let me do uh, a 10-year. So if I did, if I did a 10-year bond, and I'm going to do some math here. I'm going to do the math. You don't have to do it, especially if you're driving. Don't do math when you're driving. But if we do this math and we say, you know, a 10-year a bond at a 3% interest rate would only have a duration of about, you know, eight and a half, eight and three quarters, where that same bond, a 3% coupon at par, right, uh, rate of required, you know, the interest rate, current interest rate is still 3%, just under 20 years. And so the longer the duration, that's why you hear a lot of people on CNBC talking about, oh, you know, keep duration short right now, keep maturity short. It's because what they're saying is if you get a rise in rates, the longer to maturity, the more sensitivity to a change in rates. And so I bring this up because, you know, right now we've been, we're not close to zero, let's say in the 30 year, we're at around 3%. But, you know, we were... 0.75 or so for a while in the 10 year. We were point, I think we got down to 0.4 on the five year treasury. And certainly the, the near maturities are near zero. And I bring that up because, you know, how much lower could interest rates go? And so we think about to, to give you some, some sort of idea uh, about how historically, you know, the total return on treasuries have been. Um, actually, before I get to that, a couple things on U.S. Treasuries. So U.S. Treasuries, um, obviously, they have a coupon. They have principal, you know, you get your principal back, barring any defaults. 
there are no call provisions on U.S. Treasuries. So a lot of corporate bonds and some municipal bonds, they issue those and the issuer can actually call them back and they can call them back at a certain price. And so that does create some different complexity uh, because let's say a, a bond has a call provision at par and interest rates go down quite a bit and they could pay off that debt by issuing new debt at a much lower rate, the chances are that that corporation is going to want to call that bond back in. Uh, a lot of assumptions, you know, their credit rating is still the same or maybe it got better. But treasuries have no call provision. And so it's it's a little bit easier to do the, the pure duration calculation. But if you, you're doing a corporate bond or a municipal bond and they have a call provision and it's likely to get, you know, called away, that changes the, the calculus a little bit. So uh, treasuries don't have that. And that's another reason why, you know, a lot of people have mistakenly, in my opinion, gone on the news and gone on different, uh, you know, shows and said, hey, why doesn't the U.S. government at these really low rates retire all our, you know, debt, just re redo our debt? Well, the reality is they might have to go out into the open market and pay quite a bit above par because rates have gone down so much. All right. So, uh, but we'll, we'll talk through that uh, maybe another, another time. To kind of give you an idea of how some of these, uh, some of the, the, the rise in interest rates has affected bonds, what I did was I did a search and I found a, a U.S. Treasury. It matures in uh, May of 2050. So pretty much, around, you know, right about 29 years. And this is a 30 year, so what I... I'm going to assume from this is that this was issued last year. So issued at $1,000 and its coupon was 1.25%. We know that currently rates are, you know, right around 3%. So rates have gone up. And what has that done to the market value? Well, the market value of that bond has actually declined uh, around 23, 24%. And its market value is $787 and change right now. So rates go up, bond prices go down. Now, this is a good example too. Although its coupon is 1.25%, there's something called yield to maturity. And yield to maturity basically says if you buy the bond and you get either appreciation back to par or depreciation down to par. So if you bought this at you know 1,200 and it goes to 1,000 par, you're gonna over the course of the uh, the bond's life you're going to depreciate on the market value, but you'll still get the coupons. And so even this has a coupon of 1.25, its yield to maturity is actually 2.25. Why? Because you can buy it if you wanted to at uh, $787 over the next 29 years, assuming no defaults, gets called, you know, get matures a thousand, you get a thousand bucks, plus you get the coupons. And so you can see the the difference there between a bond that was issued, you know, a year ago when rates were much lower. To give you an example uh, of how, you know, I'm looking at a bond here. Let's let's use what are we? 2021. So here's one that matures in 2037, and so 2037 that is uh, about 16 years from now. Same same May maturity. This one has a coupon of 5%. So this was issued when rates were higher. 
uh, was probably issued as a 30-year bond however many years ago, right? 15, uh, 14 years ago. And so its price is 1434 It's trading above par. Why? Because rates are lower now. Its yield to maturity is only, you know, about 1.85%. Meaning if you bought it, you're going to lose to par eventually. You're still going to get the coupon. So your, your annualized sort of total return on this is about, you know, 1.85%. All right. So bonds go up and down in the market based upon interest rates. So the other thing, though, is I mentioned that rates are, you know, really close to zero. And so it, when you look at historical returns on bonds, they're sort of skewed because for the last 40 years, we've had this march from the highs in 1981 to, I'll call it the lows in 2020. You know, those, those lows that we had in 2020 were lows that, you know, just haven't been seen. Um, you probably have to go back, I think, in the, around the Great Depression when rates were equally low. So here's just some, what I wanted to see was I took the 10-year Treasury bond, and it was easier for me to get data on this than the 30-year. And I said, hey, what would happen if, January 1st, at the start of each decade, if you bought a 10-year bond and you held it for one year and then you sold it and then you bought another 10-year bond and then you held that for one year, then you sold it. And what I did was I, I did the, the compounded annual growth rate. So not the simple average. Um, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, it's more like a geometric mean or a geometric average. Uh, but we call it in, in finance the compounded annual growth rate. So estimate the, the compounded annual growth rate for each decade. In the 1980s, you would have grown doing that. And by the way, would you buy a bond, a 10-year bond, and then sell it next year and then buy another one? I don't know. But it's just, you know, it's tough. There weren't mutual funds and ETFs that go back this long where you would have held, you know. But I guess if, if you hold a, a mutual fund, that holds U.S. Treasuries and they have a target uh, maturity of 10 years, then they would be, you know, adding and subtracting bonds from the portfolio. So the 1980s, when you came down from the record highs, uh, that decade, you would have compounded at about 12% a year. Now think about that. That is a 10-year U.S. Treasury bond, uh, the methodology they gave you. And we assume that the U.S. government's not going to default. They can always print money to and devalue the dollar, but in theory, you know, they, they shouldn't default on the debt. Highest rated paper. I mean, 12% for that decade. That's, that's an equity-like return. And then we look at the 1990s, about 7.4%, the 2000, 6.26%. The 2010s goes down to 4.13. Remember, this includes not only the gain or loss on buying it at par and where you sold it the, the next year, but also the coupon payments. So as rates go down, you have less interest that's being paid. Now, the 1970s, you actually still would have gotten, based upon my numbers, about 5.4%. What do we know about the 70s? The 70s had increasing rates. So the rates go higher. Still, though, less duration, right? Because higher rates means less duration, all else equal. Higher coupon payments. 
And so if you had the rates that we have today in the 1970s and rates rose like that, you, know, you, you would see worse compound annual growth rate. Here's what gets kind of interesting. Uh, if I, I did this for the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s, and here it was less impressive. Three point, you know, we'll call it four percent, two and a half, under one percent in the 50s, about 2.4 percent in the 60s, and you know, it just kind of shows you how much not only the the higher coupons, but also that sequential dropping of rates over these last 40 years that have helped. And so when I, I do this, um, in fact, if, if I ran 1981 to 2020, uh, it's just under 8% compound annual growth rate. So, and by the way, some of you are like, well, wait a second, if I bought a bond, a 30-year bond in 1981, it was yielding 16%, wouldn't I just keep that? Well, sure, you could just keep that. Uh, but again, that's if that's all I was going to do, it would be a much shorter podcast, right? So the point is that Given where rates are and given that how the sensitivity to changes in interest rates is really high, and I just showed you how a 30-year bond issued a year ago is down 22% based upon a rise, we'll call it from about 1.25% you know, interest to around 3%. I think this brings up the question about, and we've, we've talked about the 60-40 portfolios before, but going forward, what role are 60-40s going to play in someone's portfolio? And the question I think we should be asking ourselves is, what type of expected return can we think about from the bond portion? Now, could rates go negative? Sure, they could. There's uh, some people like uh, uh, Guggenheim put out a piece. They ran a regression. They think, um, I, I shouldn't say they think, but based upon the regression, they made a case that the 10-year rate could get down to negative 0.5 or negative half point percent uh, within the next couple of years. Is that going to happen? I don't know. Other people have said they think the 10-year, remember it's about 1.7, 1.6 now, is going to go up to 3, 3.5, three maybe 4%, depending upon where inflation goes. So there's people in different camps on this. But I bring this up because... And with durations really high, with yields really low, with the coupon payments really low, you have to ask over the next 10 years, if we have a stagnant rate environment, so if rates just stay the same, you would expect to get right around the coupon, about 1.6, 1.7. If rates go up a lot, you would expect to have some pain in the bond market. And the other thing is when we're already close to zero, especially on the front end of the curve, you know, we've got 300 basis points to get to zero on, on the 30-year, uh, 150 basis points to get to zero on the 10-year. But you sort of got to ask yourself, how negative would rates have to go to replicate the returns that we've seen from 81 to, to 2020 or through 2020 when rates went from what did I say, 15, 16% down to 75 basis points over that time. And so in my book, Broken Pie Chart, I'll put a link to that, I actually wrote a chapter and I called it Target Date Surprise. And of course, target date funds, remember, are 
it's based upon the glide path, as they call it, for someone working. And so the longer you have to retirement, the more equities you'll have, the less bonds. And then as you get closer and closer to retirement, you've got more bonds. And I wrote back then, um, I must have been, you know, I, I just wouldn't say I'm early, but rates continue to go down. And I posed the question, you know, what if we have an, an environment, a rising rate environment? A lot of people might be pretty surprised, hence the title of the, the chapter in, in the book, that the bond portion of their portfolio had losses um, if rates rose quite a bit. We know that I think the book came out in 18, I think it was 18. Um, and, you know, I've, I've got over 100 charts and graphs in there, uh, different types of research. But on that chapter, I think I named it that because that would be surprising to a lot of people. Uh, do we think bonds are going to, uh, you know, go down 20, 30 percent? I have no idea. I don't know what the pretend to know what the market's going to do. But you should understand the risk. And the risk is that from a low base, you wind up getting a rise in rates with higher sensitivity to changes in interest rates than, let's say, in the 1970s. You know, a lot of people go back and they say, bonds did okay in the 1970s. Uh, I just told you that in the 1970s, you know, 5.4%. Again, buying a, a 10-year treasury in 19, January 1970, selling, the 19, selling that treasury one year later and buying another one. Your total return would have compounded your growth rate about 5.4%. Not too bad. But what's likely to, to happen going forward? We don't know. We don't know what rates are going to do. And so these are things you have to think about. I'll probably do another episode where we bring back somebody like Marcel or another expert in, in the fixed income world to really get more in detail into these types of things. And But this is a good starting point. And so as you're looking at, you know, interest rates on CNBC, now you kind of understand. And by the way, I can tell you that if you understand duration and maturity, uh, that's something that a lot of people don't get. A lot of people, they think about maturity is always, or duration is always the number of years until maturity. But as I just kind of showed you, it's a lot more involved than that. All right, folks. Uh, I would urge you again to go ahead and listen to last week's episode. Uh, really sets up nicely and will pair well with this one. Hopefully we'll have Marcel back. I encourage you to listen to any of the episodes. And whether, rather than wasting time rating and reviewing and starring and doing all that stuff, just go ahead and share those with someone you think might enjoy it, might get something out of it. And as always, uh, we take uh, you know listener requests for topics. And I've had a couple people ask me about recently, especially with the rise in rates, um, to explain this a little bit more and give some more context. So hopefully that helped you out. All right. See you next week.